Hi, Ben. How you doing? Um, ben, would you mind just giving me 10-15 um, minutes? Because I'll tell you why. The Irish boxer is in the Olympics, and it's, <laughs> but they're running late. Just started the first round. So, But I'm, I'm in the room. I'm ready to go. Just, uh, just want to watch this fight. Would you mind? From the Blinks Labs headquarters in Berlin, Germany, this is the Blinkist Podcast. If you're new to the Blinkist Podcast, the idea is we're going deeper into the nonfiction book world. We are getting into the heads of the inspiring and genius people who actually write those books. In this Olympics-themed podcast, just like a couple weeks ago when we spoke to David Epstein, we're looking at these world-class athletes, people who made it to the top, and how they got there, what's different about them. I'm the producer, Ben, and today we have kind of a bonus episode on the podcast. We don't have an author, we have a champion. We got the former WBO middleweight champion of the world, Andy Lee. Uh, He's a boxer, he's from Ireland, his record is 34-3-1. He fought in the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens and uh, lost actually his title just last year. So let's see, Lee is a known in boxing circles as a tough-as-nails southpaw. He's got a famous right hook. It's devastating. Just go on YouTube, search Andy Lee Knockouts if you want to see what I mean. We'll also add a, a link to it in our show notes. Uh, in this interview, you'll hear Annie and I get into what exactly makes up, like the technical aspects of a perfect right hook, but also some of like the mystical aspects of it. Just listen to the interview. You'll see what I mean. And what he thinks separates champions from non-champions. We also talk about how he ended up acting in a Chekhov play. That's kind of funny. Cool story. If you like what you hear today, please do head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It'll help us get this podcast out to more people. All right, then. Uh, that's enough of an intro. Let's roll the tape. Here's me and Andy Lee. Enjoy. Hi, Ben. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time to let me watch that fight. No worries. You must be uh, pretty excited. Yeah, our guy won. So I was pretty good. <laughs> I couldn't find I was like frantically looking for a stream. Yeah. I couldn't find, couldn't find it. Yeah. So what happened? He won the fight, yeah. It's, um, previous to this fight, uh, three of our guys have lost. Three of our guys who were kind of favorites to win had lost. So there was a lot of pressure on the team and he, he like on the coaches and stuff. So he got the win, which is which is good. Cool. So thanks for doing this. And um, I guess let's start with that fight that that you just saw. What like one question I had was um, when you watch a match on TV, like what are you actually watching? Are you watching body language, tactics, technique, or just kind of the spectacle of the thing? Everything. I'm watching everything. The spectacle, but also like I said, the tactics, the body language the coaches, the instructions they're given, everything, you know, the feints, um, how a boxer handles himself on the inside, how composed he looks in between rounds. Um, I love watching, I'm a fan of boxing anyway. If I was, wasn't a boxer, I'd, I'd watch all the fights anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love the sport. So what do you see, like when you're watching, what's the kind of thing you want to see? Like in, the, in, in this composure, in the coaches, in the boxers themselves? Um, Obviously, you have your opinion of how the fight's going, and you can kind of see or you can perceive what what each guy needs to do to win or to improve. And you, that's what you hope to hear from the coach in in the corner. Um, you know, boxing the, at the highest level and amongst the best boxers, it's almost like a chess match. It's it's very tactical. It's very strategic, and um, 
you know, the, the, the madness between winning and losing are very fine, you know. Um, it can be just one simple thing that the winner does um, that, that grants him victory. Like, what's an example of something like that? Like, small things, like things that are not too obvious. Like, um, like say, like a great fighter who's American who's called Andre Ward. He'd be unbeaten. He's probably the best light heavyweight in the world. Um, he has very good feet. He's always picking up his feet. He's never really flat-footed. He's always taking little steps with his feet. And to, you know, to to a casual fan, that wouldn't be very obvious that, that he was doing that. But it's one of the success because whenever an opponent like, attacks him or he wants to attack, his feet are always ready to move. He's never, like, planted and... and and, uh, you know, an object that's in motion tends to want to stay in motion. And when mm-hmm. he's free, always been moving, he's able to move in and out quickly than quick or quicker than his opponent. And just a small thing, but I believe in boxing anyway, um, the great, great fighters, they do those small things that the, the fighters who are just good fighters, they don't do them. And I think that's the difference between being a good fighter and a great fighter is are the small things that are not so obvious um, because you, when you look at great fighters and you say, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing, what he's doing. Like I, I can do that. I can move like him, and I can throw those punches. But it's the smaller things that you don't see. That that's the difference between good and great fighters. I mean, th- that's the, one of these things of how boxing is like a great metaphor for life and success in the ring, and you know, matches with success out of it. But I'm interested in like the specific. In the in those things, those small things, exactly like flat-footed, never being caught flat-footed is itself kind of like a you know a symbol in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so I, I'm. But you you've been there. I mean, you've been at the top. You know what I mean? Like you are your champion. So yeah. w- what is it like? What what are the small things you've done? Whether it's in the mindset or in the training or I don't care what you ate for breakfast or something. You know what what do you think it is? Uh, my mantra is. And even though sometimes I forget it, but it always is and always has been, um, is to take the small things throughout my day very seriously and take the big things very lightly. So that, to put it into uh, more practical terms, would be small things like hydrations, getting the right amount of sleep, uh, making sure I eat the right things, making sure that I'm not distracted by external factors, maybe like family or friends or things that are stressful take those very seriously and manage those things to, you know, to the utmost of my powers. And then the big, big things like the fight itself, like, you know, the weigh-in, like um, the press conference, take them lightly and um, try to enlighten the mood. So if, for an example, if, if I'm in the dressing room, I don't like to be left alone for too long because you kind of become, kind of go inside yourself and become pensive. I, I'd prefer to have people around and, um, Usually, I'd like to have somebody who's not been involved in my training, someone from outside of my training camp, a friend or someone I haven't seen in a while, to come in and we just talk, like two guys talking <laughs> about, you know, the weather, the, the soccer, <laughs> anything else but the fight. And then, once I'll, while all this is going on, I'll be preparing, getting my hands wrapped, uh, putting on my equipment, warming up, limbering up, and then as soon as the knock comes on the door, that it's time to, time to go, that's when I switch on. And um, so, walk us through it. Like you're, you're walking from. So the knock comes on the door. Hmm. You're walking to the ring. What's going through your head? It's it, it's a conscious change um, in my mentality, I, in my demeanor, almost that I have to become somebody else because 
Um, I know your listeners might not be familiar with me, but a lot of people will say, I'm too nice a guy to be a fighter. You know, I'm too friendly. <laughs> and it's, for most of the time, it's true. But during that walk from the dressing room to the arena, to the ring, I have to change and I have to become, uh, you know, a, a bad person, a, a person who wants to inflict harm. And, and, and I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I have to not want to hurt him, not want to hurt him, you know, um, termly or long term or anything like that. I just want to beat this guy. I want to beat, beat for want to, want to beat his ass. You know what I mean? That's, that's basically <laughs> yeah. what I'm going in there to do. He's going in there to do do the same thing to me. It's not personal. It's an unwritten agreement. We're going in there and we're going to try and beat each other. Um, but I've had to work like over the years. I've learned to do that. And um, there's been fights when I haven't haven't done it and haven't wanted wanted to do it. Like, but. Um, I realize, and I've spoken with my coaches, and they've told me you have to do this. And uh, oh, and that's that's something that I do. That's that's my mental preparation before I fight. So, is that something that can be trained? That kind of mindset, like um, you know, that switch, that conscious change. Yeah, it is. I have a very good coach. I've been lucky my whole career to work with. I've just been fortunate that I've worked with. I found myself. Um, Living in good, good, good place where there's been very good coaches available. I was born in London and and started boxing in the Repton Amateur Boxing Club, which is in East East London, Bethnal Green. And um, it, I couldn't have asked for a better foundation because it's renowned for its young amateur boxers. That gym, and they taught me the basics. From then, I went to we moved to Limerick in Ireland. My family from Ireland, and um, we relocated to Ireland. And I worked there with some great coaches in Ireland. You know, my two coaches and then with the national coaches, um, who are now the national coaches of the Olympic team in Rio. And, um, from there, I turned professional, moved to Detroit, and I worked with the legendary Manuel Stewart, who trained over 35 world champions, um, fighters like Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, Oscar de la Hoya, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, so on. And so, you know, he, he was a legend. So I got to work with him for, for nine years of my career. And um, I learned so much from him. Um, he unfortunately passed away in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then um, I relocated to London and hooked up with a coach called Adam Booth, who um, always impressed me. As I said, I watched all the fights. I watched all the coaches. And there was always one guy who stood out, and that was Adam Booth. So I flew to London, relocated, um, and I convinced him to train me. And... Uh, <laughs> He was the one who really installed this change in my, uh, in a mindset that um, to get to make me change because he knows how you know how nice I was outside the ring, how affluent I was towards people, and he was the one who and he trained it when we were in the gym, working hard on hard on the mitts on the pads. He does a lot of talking and a mm-hmm. lot of drilling and. When I'd be tired, when I'd be going through it, pushing myself, and he would say, "Now bite down, now become change, become that person, go, go, like go to that place where um, I don't know. Can I curse on this podcast? Can I swear? Yeah, or no? so, so <laughs> like, you can say what you want. Because I want to tell you what he said. He said to me, "Go to that fucking place where you just bite down and say fuck it, you know, and let's have it, you know, because sometimes, sometimes, you know, boxing is very technical. It's 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 a science. It's a way of life, and it's a science. And but sometimes 
when, when you boil it all down, it's still a fight. It's still a, you know, and anyone can have a fight on the street. And sometimes you just got to bite down and say, fuck it. And just let, let the fight be a fight. And, and he worked with, with me on that for, for a long time, for a long period. And, uh, and I have, I have to thank him for that because, um, I don't think I would have became world champion without, without him. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I, I think about like my coaches and my not professional soccer career and always heard this stuff from them and never mm-hmm. could quite, never could quite cross that line of like, I'm putting my body down. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah. And the thing to me was like, is it really coachable? I always wondered, is that coachable or do you just, people just have to have that, have that in them. And it's interesting to hear you say that it's coachable. You know what I mean? Yeah, that it's not. I, I believe it, it is. Well, if you have the desire, if you want to, if you want to go there, if you want to have that, you know, I think it's coachable, but the, the subject, the per, like the student, he has to be uh, open to it. He has to be, you know, he has to want to go there, want to be taken there. Um, and that's the only way. And there's, there's no easy way of getting, like, there's no easy way of getting there. And I believe that anyone you see uh, who's at the top of the game in any any aspect of life, sport, business, you name it, they're there because they've worked their asses off, they've worked hard, they've grinded, and they've persisted in something that, you know, that they probably would have been a lot easier just to walk away from. But hmm. I, I believe they're there because they've worked for it. So have you done any coaching yourself or any training of young people? No, I haven't, but um, I haven't. Um, it's something that I think will always be there for me in the future, but while I'm still competing, I think I just keep it separate. You know, I tried, I tried to advise, uh, we have a young fighter in our gym. He's named Ryan Burnett. He's from Northern Ireland. So I, I can relate to him um, cause I know where he comes from, but he's a, an immense talent. Um, mm-hmm. and he just has to learn at this stage in case, he just has to learn the finer points of boxing because he has all the skills and all the physical talent, but he just has to learn the finer points. And, um, you know, if I tried to, uh, try to advise him and, and help him in any way that I can, you know? Yeah. Like, and do you give him like media training too, or is it just the, the technical, like you can't teach your right hook, right? Can you teach your, like the Andy no. Lee right hook? <laughs> I tried to, yeah. I tried, <laughs> I tried to show him a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's not, he hasn't got a bad hook himself, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I just tried to teach him a little bit of finesse because, um, those are the, like I said, the small things that, that separate, the great from the good, and uh, that's what, that's all I tried to try to tell him because he has all the ingredients. You know, which, if, I, if if it was a raw novice, somebody who'd never boxed, it'd be a lot harder. We're just trying to teach him the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, like in anything, in anything, you have to learn the basics first, the fundamentals, in order to to get to grasp the essence of anything. You have to have the basics. So first and foremost is the basics, and then once you have those you can learn, you know, the higher levels of anything. Hmm. So can we, I, I was kind of joking about your right hook, but I watched a bunch of your knockout, your knockout stuff on YouTube because whatever, because obviously, and can you, can you like walk us through like a, like a perfect right hook, like in the whole body? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, well, it's like, you know, those, when the hooks, the people, the hooks that I've landed that knock people out, it's it's an instinct that just happens without even a thought. It's almost happened, and then you have the thought of throwing the punch. Um, like the subconscious mind does it before you really consciously think of it. But 
it, it, to break a good right hook down, it starts at the feet. The feet have to be placed in the right position. For me, I'm a southpaw, which means I leave my right hand. So my right foot has to be in front of my left feet. I have to be balanced. And then it, really the power comes from the hip. Mm. It's not really in the arm. The power comes from the hip. And it's like the momentum of like a, a baseball bat swing. You know, when you, they start from the hips and then they pull through. And it, like the bat is almost the last thing to pull around. You know, mm-hmm. to, to, to swivel. And that's the same with the hook that you pull your hip through and then like you follow with, with your shoulder and then your fist comes around. But, um, the end part with that, your fist has to be turned in towards, towards your face and your forearm and elbow should be parallel with the ground. And that's how, that's how I throw, throw my hooks. <laughs> they seem to be working. <laughs> but like your famous hooks, like the one, uh, that more or less won the fight against Korobov. That mm. was like that. That you you couldn't have seen that coming because it was kind of mayhem when it when you threw it, right? So that's what yeah. you mean. It was just instinct, like you just threw it. You know, you practice these things countless times, and then when it, when you need it, it's there. It, you know. Um, but I remember one time in the gym. Adam was coaching me. We've been together maybe about a year, year and a half, and he's very vocal. He's very, uh, especially when I'd be sparring, he'd be almost um, like like a gamer playing a PlayStation. He'd be controlling me from the corner by telling me jab, <laughs> right hook, you know, body shot, whatever. And uh, I we were going we were going for this, and this was for a while, and it wasn't till after that I just walked over to him one day and I said, Adam, for the next couple of rounds, just don't say anything. Let me um, let me box. Hmm. And, um, when you see, just say one or two, like he'd always just say one or two things anyway, but he said, I'd say, just, just talk to me in between rounds. And I had the best iron rounds and I came, came back and he said, why, why were you so much better in those rounds? You know? Um, and it, it just occurred to me, you know, the subconscious mind is it's so much quicker. It's so mm-hmm. that even for me, the best, like the best moves happen in boxing when you don't think about them, when they come in an instant, you know, they come instinctively. And, um, one of the other, my other great knockouts is against John Jackson. And that was a fight where I was having a tough fight. It was on in trouble and he was coming at me. And the next thing you know, he's on the ground and I'm walking, the next thing I knew, I was walking away with my hand in the air. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking away, I thought to myself, throw the right hook, but I'd already done it <laughs> about a split second before it, you know? Um, I don't like, so the action and the thought almost happened in, together, maybe a split second apart. And that's, that's like boxing is about improvisation. You have to be able to do that in a ring, especially when there's a fire, you know, when it's a firefight, when you, it's a shootout, like, like that moment with Karbov, that you have to be able to, but it only comes from repetition, repetition, repetition every day, do drilling the same things over and over. I love I love this like tension between the repetition and the instinct. Like you obviously you have to train it, you have to have it inside, but um in that moment it's never gonna be exactly the way you trained it. I mean people people talk about this in um improvisational theater. You know what I mean? In improv. Like I come from yeah. Chicago where, you know, improv comedy is king and you can go through it, you can go through it, you can know your um colleagues in and out. But when you're on stage and you're under the lights you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. You know what I mean? Exactly, and you gotta, yeah. you gotta do it. Um, I love that. There's a lot of parallels. You can, you can see a lot of parallels between acting or performing and boxing because there is that, you know, the improvisation 
and the element of, of performing on a stage. You know, there's a lot of parallels and it's funny because a lot of the actors that I meet or any actors that I meet, they all want to talk about boxing. They all want to be boxers. <laughs> and any boxer that I meet, they all want to talk about acting, you know. So <laughs> it's funny to see the two worlds interact, you know. Are you still involved in the in the theatre scene over there? Not really, yeah, not at the moment. Um, I appeared in a one play, um, it was a Chekhov play, and um, it's now torrent, but I couldn't appear to it due to my schedule with the boxing. Um, a fight I was supposed to have got cancelled and got put back, and then the play went ahead without me. So oh, uh, no, it's it's something that it's something that I've enjoyed and something that I might do again. But for now, um, it's it's on the back burner. Yeah, is that did yeah. that like kind of help you switch off, or did it help your concentration kind of when you went back, or um, how did how did that jive with the with the training? I, it was it was fortunate because I had a period where I was in Dublin and I wasn't training for a fight, so I was able to do it, do the rehearsal time, and then do the performance. Um, but I just approached it like a fight, you know. I fought the rehearsals with my training. I was doing my work outside of the gym, like by reading the script and knowing the lines. And then, like, I I got a great buzz from it. I have to admit, you know, there have been fights where I've beaten guys and walked out of the ring and like, huh, you know, okay, what are we doing now, you know? But yeah. I, I got a great thrill from it. I was I was actually, uh, I was buzzing from it because, you know, in a, in a sense, I was putting myself out there, you know, I was uh, opening myself to to criticism and to ridicule and, you know, I'd never done anything like that before. And um, I was really nervous, really, really nervous. Like, and for a fight, I, I won't be nervous at all, but, it, it was it was great. It was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed it, and like I said, I would wouldn't mind going back to doing it again if the opportunity arose. But um, I think you just have to be careful about you know brandishing yourself, an actor, boxer. Like I just think you know you know you see these guys with all these titles, but I'm a boxer first and foremost, and everything else is just you know not a hobby, but a side a side addition. So what are you are you training right now? I'm at. I'm in Dublin. I've had some time off since my last fight. Um, I'm going back to the gym in September, and I, I'm not scheduled to fight, but I hope to fight before the end of the year. Okay. So, so like mm-hmm. last questions are just, what's it like to do that? How do you know when you're in shape? I mean, how do you know when? How do you know when you're ready? Like, how do you? How do you? How do you prepare to even? It's like you're preparing to prepare for a fight right yeah. now, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's the, that's the the stage I'm at at the moment. I like in the gym nearly every day. Um, training but not with any intensity as I would be if I was in training camp and just preparing myself and kind of doing touching on some of the things that I need to do when I go back but um, doesn't you'll never be ready until you start really grinding and uh, you know you have that period of time and it's all like there's almost a build up internally as well as externally and the preparation so I've been off for a couple a few months now so I'll probably go back and probably do like maybe 14 to 12 weeks of training camp. And mm-hmm. initially it'll be, you know, long durations, just breaking down, breaking down my body. And, um, as the fight, as the weeks pass and the fight gets closer, the intensity picks up. And, um, believe me, when, when you've done a full training camp, you know, you're ready because you've really like, you had to, you pay the price in the gym. You pay the price every day you train. And by, by doing that, it builds up your mental strength and your physical strength, and by the time the fight comes around, you know you're ready. But how? Because you've just you've gone through it. You know you've gone through the, 
gone the grind. You've gone through the pain. You've gone through everything. The sacrifice of being away from home, eating, you know, eating very cleanly, but not the foods you want to eat. Mm-hmm. Just uh, by just sacrificing, you have to, and you have to, and by sparring every day, and like taking punishment, giving punishment, and um, and you feel yourself improving and getting fitter and getting stronger, and. Um, you know you're ready. You know, I don't. I, for me, it's it's like it's, it just comes natural because I've done this myself as a very young, from a young age, and it's nothing alien to me. It's all, it's all very natural to me. You know, to to go through it and to and to get in the ring when it when it's time. Yeah, it's almost like another one of these examples of of the balance between like you got it because you've done it so much, but on the other hand, you just feel it. You just know. Yeah, you know, you know. That's like. People have asked me, you know, uh, on days of fights and how do you feel? Are you nervous? Are you anxious? And the only word I say to them, to sum it up in one word, was that I'm ready. I have a feeling of readiness, that I'm ready to go. That, um, and, all, and, and like I said, it is a long build-up. And there, every night you're lying in bed, even in between training sessions, you're resting. And all you're thinking about is the fight. What you know? Mm-hmm. What's my opponent doing? How's how is he preparing? Um, how's the fight going to go? If he throws this punch, what do I do? Do I, you know? If I land with this punch, how will he react? And every day you're just thinking of the fight, thinking of the fight, thinking of the fight. So by the time the fight comes, you just want to get in there and do the thing. You know, you're just mm-hmm. you just burnt out from thinking of it. Wow. Cool. Well, look, that was like 25 minutes. I don't want to take up too much of your time, yeah. but I I I really appreciate it and. Um... I mean, I'll, we'll keep an eye out for that fight, and I, I hope it happens, like you said, by the end of the year. Cheers, Ben. All right, cool. This was fun. Yeah, good to speak to you, man. Thanks thanks for having me on. All right, see ya. Today's Blinkist podcast was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, and Odie Constantino, who once published the same poem in The New Yorker in back-to-back weeks. Feel free to email me at podcast.blinkist.com if there's someone in particular you want to hear on this podcast or if you have any feedback about me, the podcast, or Blinkist magazine. We'll be back in a few weeks with a theme relating to education. In the meantime, be good. This is Ben signing off. Bye-bye.